Welcome to the MedEvidence Podcast, hosted by Dr. Michael Corrin and Michelle McCormick. MedEvidence, where we help you navigate the real truth behind medical research with both a clinical and research perspective. In this podcast, we'll have discussions with physicians that have extensive experience in patient care and research. How do you know that something works? In medicine, we conduct clinical trials to see if things work. Now, let's get the truth behind the data. My name is Dr. Michael Corrin, and I'm going to be the moderator today for our Med Evidence Hour, or 40 minutes as the case may be. I guess, you know, the TV hour is really only about 40 minutes. Like a baker's dozen. There you go, exactly. And um, I'm a cardiologist. I am a certified principal investigator and researcher, and generally a reasonably nice guy. And um, I have the privilege of having a really nice guy with me, Dr. Bharat Misra, a dear friend, a fabulous gastroenterologist, and a tremendous researcher. And we're going to talk today about liquid biopsies. And Dr. Misra is one of the national experts on liquid biopsies. And he and I have had the pleasure of actually being able to work on this area of research over the course of the last um, couple of years now. And Dr. Misra, um, he, he'll be too modest to say this, but actually has developed his own protocols to study these type of technologies. So um, I'll give the floor to you, but other than saying that I happened to be in New Jersey with some of my old high school buddies this weekend, and um, I told them I had to get back home to do a podcast on liquid biopsies, and my friends were like kind of winking at me, and they say, that's what we tell our wives when we want to go out to bars, so we're doing liquid biopsies. <laughs> so, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. So anyhow, so let's, let's try to educate them as well as the general public on what exactly is a liquid biopsy. Thank you, Mike. It's my pleasure to be back on MedEvidence with you. Um, so the topic today is actually a very esoteric, very scientific topic, and we're going to try to do our best to uh, simplify it so most people can understand it. So the term liquid biopsy is a euphemism. It's basically a blood test. Um, and um, the reason they use the term liquid biopsy is they're trying to replace taking a piece of the tumor, which is actual biopsies. So the term liquid biopsy is any liquid, typically blood, but sometimes saliva, sometimes urine, sometimes other mucous membranes, which is taken from a patient. And we look for markers or substances in the blood that could reflect cancer. And that's the main area where it's used. And that's kind of what a liquid biopsy is. It's a blood test for cancer. Is it now, is it just for cancer or are there other diagnoses that are being considered or that terminology is specific to people looking for cancer diagnosis? As you know, blood can be used for uh, many different tests, including cholesterol. Um, but I think the term liquid biopsy is limited to precancerous, cancerous and advanced cancerous stages. So, yeah, so that's a distinction with another term that we sometimes use called biomarkers, which I guess would be more broad. Correct. I yeah. think liquid biopsy is a type of a biomarker. Perfect. Perfect. So let's talk a little bit about the specifics of how liquid biopsies are envisioned to really change the practice of medicine. How will we be using these as physicians over the course of, the, say, the next five years? Got it. So um, first, to understand liquid biopsies, you have to understand regular biopsies first. Um, whenever we see a tumor, either on an x-ray or a CAT scan or ultrasound or when examining patients, we like to obtain a small piece of the tissue and look at it under a microscope. That is called pathology. If it's on the skin, it's pretty easy. 
But if it's in the colon, for example, getting a biopsy is hard. You have to prep the day before, you have to come in, you have to be put to sleep, and then a gastroenterologist has to go in, take a special device and take a piece of the tumor and remove it. And it can be done once. You can't do it more than once typically because it's very hard to do this. Similarly, if you have a lung tumor, it's risky to biopsy these lesions. So the idea of liquid biopsies came about because biopsies are very hard to get. And the idea was, is there an easier way to get this information? What's interesting is the first cancer cell in the blood was actually described in the 1894, more than 100 years ago. And the presence of tumor DNA was described more than 50 years ago. So people have been suspecting that in some way, tumors spill over into the blood. And so that's kind of the idea behind a liquid biopsy. Mm-hmm. So for, for the audience out there, especially people that don't have great medical orientation, explain a little bit how people are thinking in terms of applying the technology to a clinical situation. So uh, obviously, with all things, um, we can start looking for cancer diagnoses for people just walking in from the street. But usually in medicine, it's better to focus our diagnostic capabilities to specific scenarios. So just walk people through how it might work in your practice and and ultimately uh, broaden it, how it might work in other practices. So liquid biopsy can be used in many different ways. The first way it can be used is to what is called screen for cancers. In other words, you don't have any symptoms. It's very early in the disease, but the tumor or a precancerous lesion is brewing in your body. You can do a liquid biopsy and try to find those markers. That's called screening for a cancer. The second way it can be used is for diagnosis. You have a tumor but we couldn't get enough tissue or the tissue is non-diagnostic, then you can use these footprints in the blood to make a diagnosis. So this would be after you did a colonoscopy, for example, noted a lesion, it looked ugly, you you biopsied it, maybe it was inconclusive. It was inconclusive. And and you you want to get more more information. information. So that is correct. Thirdly, it can be used for prognosis. You know you have a cancer, you have a biopsy, but there are certain markers in the blood that tell you how aggressive this tumor is gonna be and kind of guide your treatment. And fourth way it helps you is, you know you have a cancer, you know it's very aggressive, there are some features of these blood markers that'll tell you which therapy to use. And lastly, it's used when cancer has spread everywhere and you've given the patient treatment, you wanna see, is there any leftover tumor? So the big advantage to a liquid biopsy is it can detect a few cancer cells. I'll give you an example. A PET scan to detect a lesion, the minimum number of cells is six million. Liquid biopsy can detect a few cancer cells. The technology has really advanced. So that's kind of the broad overview of how we use liquid biopsies. Interesting. So you threw out a lot of really great information there. So I'm going to drill down a little bit more into some of the different scenarios. So in the first scenario where you're doing screening, the first thing that comes to my mind is, well, if you're already able to detect the genetic material of the tumor in the blood, is it too late? Did you miss the boat? 
Uh, maybe you can comment on that, uh, whether or not it's going to truly be effective at, at think, finding things really, really early if you have to depend on the fact that it's already in the bloodstream. Good question. So that's a very good point. So cancer is not a one-shot deal. Uh, it is typically a multi-step process. Most cancers start with a normal cell becoming abnormal. Then it becomes more and more abnormal. Then it grows in size. Then it creates its own blood vessels. And then it continues to grow and spread to different sites. And you can't find these by other tests unless it's very advanced. So what a liquid biopsy in, in some cases does is find these early stages even before it can be seen by other tests. And if you can find it early, you can then do, a, say for example, a colonoscopy or a CAT scan and then find the lesion and remove it, you've kind of screened for cancer. Right. Uh, but it does involve a spilling over of the tumor cells into the blood and that goes on for a considerable period of time and the body's immune system tries to localize it. But when it fails is when you get cancer. So I think one of the concepts that I've read about in terms of other cancers is that there could be some microvascular spread of a tumor without necessarily seeding any major organs. And perhaps there's a little bit of a window for different cancers where that phenomenon occurs. That is correct. That is yeah. correct. So this is one of the biggest challenges in cancer. Cancer doesn't kill people. It's the spread of cancer, what we call metastases, that kills it. And almost all metastases, with rare exceptions, goes through the bloodstream. So cancer cells are spilling over to the bloodstream weeks, sometimes months before a diagnosis. And they're going and living in different areas. They don't thrive until some other changes happen when, for example, it becomes easier for the cells to then get stuck to the liver and grow there. So there is this concept that the primary tumor is not the problem. If you find it early or late, you can remove it. It's the spread of the cancer that is responsible for killing people. Interesting point. So we're going to take a quick break here. And then in the next segment, we're going to go into how it may be actually used to target therapies and ultimately target prognosis. This episode of MedEvidence is powered by Encore Research Group. If you're interested in liquid biopsy research, please call Encore Borland Gruber Clinical Research at 904-680-0871. Now let's get back to the doctors. And we're having this really just fascinating conversation about liquid biopsies. And uh, thanks for educating me. Uh, every time I talk to Bharat, uh, there's always something that can be gleaned from the, the conversation. So I, I truly do appreciate it. And we spent a lot of the first session talking about the definition of liquid biopsies and talking about how we are primarily using them in our practice for screening purposes and some of the, the valuable elements of using this technology for screening purposes. And Barat's going to go into that a little bit more when he talks about some of his specific contributions to the field. But I also want to explore some of the other things that you mentioned in a little bit more detail because that's also fascinating. Maybe not as relevant to a gastroenterologist or cardiologist, but certainly relevant to other physicians. So brief us a little bit about how you envision using liquid biopsies to actually direct therapy once you establish the diagnosis of a cancer. Thank you, Mike. So um, this liquid biopsy field has been exploding. Um, um, I like to do a Google search about the terms, so I did that this morning. And the number of Google searches for liquid biopsies is now 
like a steep climb, like a cliff. It's really increasing in number. Then you go and look at the number of publications on liquid biopsies. They are through the roof, almost 400 publications every month about liquid biopsies now uh, in the cancer journals. So this is a very exciting field for oncologists. And some of the examples I'll give you come from their field. So for example, um, you have been diagnosed with breast cancer and um, they've taken a biopsy, which is an invasive procedure. And now they're thinking about treating you. They have a choice of uh, uh, chemotherapy, radiation combined with surgery. But there are multiple chemotherapeutic drugs. Mm-hmm. Or, or do nothing, by the way. You know, some cancers don't require any specific some, treatment. If they're early, you your surgery and you're done. Um, but there are multiple drugs. And what liquid biopsy does is, it, uh, say for example, in a patient with breast cancer, they take a specimen of blood and they try to isolate the tumor cell or the DNA and they analyze it for certain markers, um, for example, uh, the BRAF gene. And if that particular marker is positive, it tells them which therapy they're going to respond to. And then they titrate therapy based on that. On the other hand, presence of certain other markers shows a resistance to certain chemotherapy. So that is actually a very exciting area in breast, lung, and now also somewhat in colon cancer, where these markers are telling us which therapy is actually going to work for you. And um, that's a very exciting area. Neat, neat. And you also mentioned something about helping understand prognosis based on liquid biopsies. So get a little bit more specific about that. Um, Are there data out there showing that these markers that we can detect really do give people a good sense for how treatable their disease is and how likely they are to respond during the treatment course of their illnesses? Yeah, this is a very um, uh, early field and the data is now accumulating. So there are several ways a liquid biopsy will tell you prognosis. Just for everybody, prognosis is what are your chances of surviving the cancer? Um, What are your chances that, um, you know, you you will be around five years from now? Um, We know that all cancers, if found early, are better, have a better prognosis. The classic example is colon cancer. If you find it in stage one, say early with a liquid biopsy, the five-year survival rate is 80%. If you find it in stage four, it's 5%. So liquid biopsy is being used to develop some of this prognostic information. Um, So for example, there is a normal amount of DNA that comes from normal cells that is present in blood. And there is tumor DNA. Tumor DNA is usually about 0.1 to 1% of all the DNA circulating in the blood. So it's very little. But in some cancers, the amount of DNA is extremely high. It reaches 10% of all the DNA. We know that when that happens, say in lung cancer, that indicates poor prognosis. That means it's a very aggressive tumor. It's producing a lot of tumor DNA. And you can measure that in blood with commercially available tests these days. So that's one area where it's being used to tell you how are you gonna do. Now, do they actually look at the genetics of the, the tumor and do they use that information in either prognostic, uh, for prognostic purposes or therapeutic purposes? Yeah, I think the liquid biopsy is predominantly based on genetics. What they're looking for is mutations in the DNA. 
And before I go further, I think we have to tell our lay audience a little bit about DNA itself. Sure. So, um, just as like biology 101, um, all human cells and cancer cells are basically sacs. They're a membrane and inside is a liquid called cytoplasm. And inside that is a nucleus. A nucleus is like uh, the brain of the cell. And that contains DNA. And DNA is basically a twisted ribbon-like molecule which is responsible for coding everything that is transmitted across genes. And genetic code. That's the genetic code. And it sits in the nucleus in the DNA. Okay. What happens in cancer cells? We know that almost all, I should say most cancers, there is an abnormality in the DNA. There is a mutation, which is a defect. And we know many of these mutations. Of the cells of that, the, that, that are affected. The DNA yeah. Of the cells itself. Yeah. So there's normal cell, there's normal DNA. When it changes, the signals to shut down multiplication become weak and they go berserk. They keep multiplying without stopping. We know the mutations for many of these um, uh, cells. So for example, there is a gene called APC. It gets mutated in colon cancer. So when we do a blood test in patients with colon cancer, you can look for that specific mutation in the DNA. <laughs> and, and when you find that, you know this patient either has an advanced polyp or precancer or cancer. So that's kind of how liquid biopsy works. It looks for the, ch it's mainly looks for the changes in the DNA that tell you this cell is no longer normal. It's crossed the threshold to cancer. So you actually mentioned to me earlier uh, off air that there are four different categories of things that you can look for in liquid biopsies. Why don't you explain that to the yeah, audience? I thought, that, I thought that was fascinating. A, yeah, it's a little esoteric, but I think everybody should know about it. Well, what, what do they look for when they take a blood marker? There are four things they look for. The first one is they actually look for the cancer cells. As you know, cancer cells multiply faster than normal cells. They're less sticky, so they spread faster than cancer cells. And there are very interesting ways in which you can basically spin the blood, take the plasma, and you can then look for cancer cells by very advanced technology. And so you have the cancer cell right in front of you. The second thing they look for is what is called circulating tumor DNA. As I mentioned, this is abnormal DNA from cancer cells, which can actually be looked at and measured both qualitatively and quantitatively in the bloodstream. The third thing they looked at is something called EVs or exosomal uh, vesicles, which are basically small cavities mm -hmm. which contain DNA and information about the cancer. And they, in cancer, these little pockets of information go up by hundreds and thousands of times. I thought EVs were Teslas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? So, yeah, EVs, there's like, it's a big deal. And, and you can measure them, you can measure them, and then when you break them down, inside is all the DNA from the tumor, and you can actually stain for it and look for it. And lastly, they look for other markers like RNA, which is another type of molecule that is kind of the working horse molecule in the cell. It comes from DNA and then it goes for proteins. And those are the four things that we look for when we do a liquid biopsy. Very cool, very cool. 
And when we get reports of these things, do they break down each of these elements or tell us a little bit about the reporting process? Yeah, so I think the reporting that most clinicians get is a very simplified version. Mm -hmm. Basically what they tell you is the signal is seen or not seen. But um, if you call the lab or if you're interested, they, they have a lot of detail as to how they, they got the information itself. Most clinicians, like myself, mm. uh, we're interested to know, do they have the marker, what does that mean? And that's the information that most of these labs tell us. Mm-hmm. But in, in the background, and if you're interested, you can call them, and they give you a lot of data behind it. Yeah, that, that's actually a great point, because sometimes they do dumb down these reports, and there's things to be gleaned. So, for example, in the COVID world, we had this problem of people having PCR-positive tests two, three months down the road. And it turns out they have such incredibly small concentrations of the, the antigen that have been amplified that all the, all the clinicians and all the patients seeing is positive and they don't know what's going on. Yeah. Well, if you actually go to the lab, you can find out how many times they had to run the PCR machine to get that one little signal. And it turns out if the cycle threshold is the word that they use is high enough, the likelihood of growing the virus is, is actually zero. So you can actually have a, quote, PCR positive test and have no ability to grow the virus based on the blood that was. That's actually a very good point. All tests, whether they're biopsies or stress tests. um, Hey, don't mess with my stress test. (laughs) (laughs) Or stress tests. They have to be interpreted with the patient information, typically by a clinician. And the question is, what does that mean for my patient? Well, with that in mind, we're going to get to our next segment. We're going to just talk about some of the research that you've been a leader of and that we're doing here in Northeast Florida. Thanks for watching the MedEvidence podcast. To watch the rest of this series, head over to medevidence.info or subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform.